You're listening to The Omni Show. Get to know the people and stories behind the Omni Group's award-winning productivity apps for Mac and iOS. Music. I'm your host, Brent Simmons. In this studio with me today is Annette Fuller, support human at the Omni Group. Say hello, Annette. Hello, Annette. So, Annette, I started preparing for this interview, as I often do, by looking at our company page, where we have little bios for everybody. And uh, I understood most of your bio, except for the first sentence, which read largely as gibberish to me. And I'm hoping you can explain. And it says, Annette lends her rainbow dash loyalty and raven claw planning skills to the support team at Omni. Now, I know what a support team is, and I know <laughs> Omni, good. obviously. It's the middle parts with the rainbows and the raven claws. I might be the only one who doesn't know what these things are. Uh, you're probably not the only one. Um, uh, Mark's nodding at me. I'm definitely the only one. <laughs> <laughs> so Rainbow Dash is a character from My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. And okay. it's just a super wholesome kids show. Uh, it teaches about friendship. And Rainbow Dash is the sort of brash, loyal one. She would do anything for her friends. So mm. that's something that I really try to, you know. It's a thing with you. Yeah. You're a loyal person. Yeah, it's yeah. a thing with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Rainbow Dash also a pony? Or? Yes. Okay. She's, well, sort of. They're all ponies. There's Pegasi, uh, unicorns, and earth ponies. Oh, sure. You would totally get it if you saw the show. Yeah, Highly yeah. recommended. Yeah. Peg- Pegasi have wings, unicorns. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know those. Uh, what's an earth pony? Just like. What no we- horn, no wings. They're just really strong. They usually mm. farm or um, Pinkie Pie is another one. She throws parties. They've all got their specialties. Mm. Okay. All right. So got the loyalty of Rainbow Dash and the planning skills of Ravenclaw, which yeah, I just like the name of. But. You're really the only person who doesn't I'm get totally the Ravenclaw not. reference. I, I know. I know. Yeah. I know. It's Harry Potter. It's, it's Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the houses. One of the four houses. I can yeah. only remember Slytherin. Slytherin's a good one, sure. There's you can get deep into it. There is right. a system for sorting into houses. You know, there's the official website uh, for that, but there's also a like sort of psychological sorting system where you have a primary and a secondary house. So hmm. I'm a primary Ravenclaw and a secondary Gryffindor. Okay. Yeah, and it's like how you approach life. You know, hmm. I my primary Ravenclaw is how I decide like what's moral and right to me and why I do the things that I do. And then my secondary Gryffindor is how I do everything, which is usually jumping in head first, very passionate. Ah, okay. The what and the how mm-hmm. sort of. So what, what distinguishes Ravenclaw? They value intellect, education, all knowledge is worth having is a quote from one of my favorite book series and wit beyond Measure is man's greatest treasure is how uh, one of the quotes goes from the Harry Potter books. And I have a Ravenclaw purse and everything. I just really value knowledge. I think the more that we can learn, the better we can make the world. And so Gryffindor is more um, kind of a headlong, head rush type. Yeah, I'd say passionate and uh, loyal is another trait for Gryffindors. Mm. They're really into their community and their friends and like boosting people up. And the others are Slytherin, the only name I can remember because it's just so yeah. evocative of snakes, yes. right? Um, which I imagine is kind of a sneaky house. I don't know. 
Um, cunning is cunning. usually the word. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty great, actually. My Some of my best friends are, are Slytherins, double Slytherins, who are have their circle of people that are their crew, you know, and they'll mm. do anything to protect that crew. And, you know, all their motivations are based on what is good for themselves and the people that they choose to be in their inner circle. Okay. Which can be a really cool way to to live your life. You know, you can really get ahead that way. And it occurs to me that each of these different sets of attributes has like positive and negative versions, right? So the mm. negative version of that is the mafia and you don't want <laughs> that, yes. right? Yeah. yeah. And there was a fourth house. Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff. Yeah. That's just fun to say. Yeah. And what are they like? Their communities, I think, are bigger. They're more concerned with the the world community. Like how does humanity take care of each other? And they usually be, are really warm-hearted people. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, if there's a website, I'll have to find it for the show notes and figure out which house I would belong. Yeah, there's a Tumblr site that Tumblr, uh, is okay. all about this primary secondary sorting system. All right. Well, if Tumblr's still up by the time I get to it. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do here? You're support human. Get the human part. What's, what's support? Anything it needs to be. All right. Yeah, whoever needs me for whatever. I talk to a lot of our customers through email, on the phone, Twitter, forums, Slack, anywhere they can reach us. I'm there trying to help out as best I can. And I also view like the sort of secondary half of my job is supporting our teams internally. You know, what can I do to improve communication among the teams and help someone else do their job more efficiently or, you know, get them the information they need to, to work better or faster. Uh, so that sort of two-pronged approach to support is uh, my thing. Okay. As far as helping the users, you go wherever they are. Mm-hmm. I think that's the right approach. When it comes to supporting your team members, does that often take a kind of formal turn, like you're writing something up for our, our guidebook, which is our internal thing, or are you chatting and talking with people, or how does that usually go? Yeah, however, would be the most helpful in that scenario. Mm-hmm. I definitely love writing internal documentation. I have a tech writing background, and how we disseminate information is important to me. Something One of those things I nerd out on. Mm-hmm. So I really like to do that when I have the time. But my customers are my first priority, so I'll spend most of my day talking to them. And with coworkers, I think that team bonding is super, super important the more that we care about each other, the better we can work together and support each other's goals and see our apps become the best that they can be. Mm-hmm. So I really encourage that. And I'm always open to be like a friendly ear. You know, if anyone wants to talk about anything or just talk about life, you know, we're all people. That's mm-hmm. why we have this show. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, so, so the bonding is not just a good value on its own, but a team that bonds is better at supporting customers too, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It affects our productivity and how well we're able to empathize with our customers. Empathy is a big thing. Mm-hmm. I've had a few other jobs in the tech world and worked on my own. And I've never seen a company outside of Omni to value support as much as we do here. Yeah. It's really remarkable. And to be on this team and to be a support person on this team feels like a real blessing. Because so much of the company has their roots in support. A lot of people who are on different teams now started out as support people. Oh, right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So 
everyone just has an eye to it. You'll see team members who will take on new projects specifically because they know that this is a sticking point for customers. Mm -hmm. And they're just constantly advocating for the people who use our apps. And that makes me feel really supported because so many teams have the customer as their first priority. Mm -hmm. I've noticed too in in meetings uh, when talking over new features or changes or whatever, um, uh, whoever is there from support is very listened to which is a good thing and probably unfortunately a rare thing. Yes. But yeah. Like, um, people have, because of that empathy, I guess they, an experience, they have a sense that, Oh, this change made this way will actually be a big problem. Yeah, definitely. I think Omni is also unique in that people have been here for so long. You know, you start working for Omni, you tend to stick around mm-hmm. and people be here for so many years and have such expertise on our apps that, it really helps with that proficiency. You know, everyone wants to listen to you because what you're saying matters. Mm -hmm. So how did you end up at Omni? Where did you start? What road did you take to get here? So I was working retail out of college and starting grad school and thinking, what am I going to do with my life? You know, I don't want to be a manager in a retail store. Uh, What kind of retail was it? I worked for World Market for a while. Is that a like a grocery store or? Yeah, they sell furniture too. Oh, they okay. they sell food, furniture, clothes, and jewelry. I was jewelry captain at uh, World Market for a while. That was a captain. big accomplishment. Yeah. yeah, it was great. I loved organizing all the jewelry. It's mm-hmm. my Ravenclaw coming out again. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was great, but I needed like a path, a career path, mm-hmm. and. So I had grown up around the sort of dispatching environment because my mom worked for a fire station. Oh. And so she was there on the paramedic floor. Sometimes I'd go through and do a tour of the facilities. And so I started applying to dispatching jobs Mm -hmm. and spent a year in applications and psych evals, polygraph tests, just the whole shebang. Wow. I had no idea. It was so strenuous. Oh, yeah. It's rigorous. Diligent. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, Trying to work for a police department. You would hope they do the right checks. Yeah, true. (laughs) Yeah, I just never even thought about it. So I And they all thought you're nuts, so Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I passed my psyche valves, uh, but they were they were strange. The types of questions they ask you, it's nothing you would expect. Hmm. It was just kind of questions coming from left field. And I guess, you know, I seemed normal enough to them. <laughs> right. All right. <laughs> so I eventually got hired uh, in my hometown. And it was an interesting experience. I spent six weeks as a police dispatcher, and I learned that, uh, number one, I'm not cut out to be a police dispatcher. It's a very high-stress job, I think, and it takes a specific type of person to be really good at it. And uh, number two, there was no training program in place, and I was really young at the time. I just So after all that diligence, there's no actual training? Well, at this particular okay. police right. station, yeah. It was just hard to be kind of thrown in the deep end. And there were people on the team who were trying to help me out, but I really thrive in an environment where I have like a sort of structured learning process, which is why I went to grad school. (laughs) So yeah, it was tough for a a while. And at the end of that six weeks, I realized I couldn't make this my career. So when I left there, I was like, you know, I really loved helping people on the phone. That's what stuck with me in that Mm -hmm. experience was talking to people who you know, were in distress and and just needed assistance. And so I found my volunteering opportunity at the suicide crisis lines down in Los Angeles. Mm, And I volunteered with them for a year. And it was just one of the best experiences I have ever had of 
giving back to the community and feeling like I'm doing something that's worthwhile. Yeah, that's that's powerful. That's that's a big deal. Yeah, it's and, and for a year. I mean, phew. it's not as hard as people think. Like everyone's like, oh, I don't know how you did that. But it's you get training, which yeah. is great. You know, they they have really robust training systems in place for these programs. And you are actually taught empathy skills, which mm. you don't get elsewhere. That's not like an institutionalized thing. Like, oh, you're going to go to college. Let's teach you empathy. Uh-huh. Got a major in empathy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they give you the support that you need in order to do that. And they make sure that you are focusing on yourself and not exceeding your own personal boundaries for like mm. your ability to help people. Because uh, it can be triggering and difficult, but the community of people who do that, who just pitch in and give of their time like that, are some of the best people you'll ever meet. Oh, I bet. So yeah. that made it just such an amazing experience. People who truly need help, but it just has to be psychologically taxing, at least in some way, to do that. Wow. I'm impressed. Anyway. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I highly recommend it to anybody out there looking for volunteer opportunities. Okay. Uh, you'll surprise yourself at what you can do with a little bit of training. Mm-hmm. And the connections are great. And once I did that, it was just a, an easy sort of jump into support work as a profession because I just love connecting with people in that way. I love mm-hmm. being able to offer something that will help them feel more comfortable, more secure, more confident. And support work does that if you're working for the right company. So you went into support work, I guess, then next? Uh, yeah, I was doing tech writing at the time. It's mm-hmm. kind of boring for me. I have so much respect for tech writing, but the long projects are hard for me. Like mm-hmm. I can't work on a project for three weeks. I get kind of bored. I'd rather have the fast turnover and like momentum building of having a lot of interactions with different customers every day. Okay. So I got a job at iFixit on their support team, which is like a tiny little support team, just like four people, Mm. but really just amazing values as a company, you know, trying to help the environment and I really found my footing there as a support person. Oh, that's cool. So um, from there to Seattle? Yeah. Life goals. Hashtag life goals. Life goals, huh? (laughs) Yeah. It was always a goal of mine to move up here. My grandpa lived here when I was a kid, he moved up here and I fell in love with the area. It's mm. just the, the weather. The rain didn't put you off? The rain is why I came. Ah, <laughs> all right. That had to be true for somebody. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people, you know, if you stay in Seattle, you obviously can't hate the rain. Uh, or if you do, then you're probably a really grumpy person. <laughs> yeah. See, I've been here 33 years, so I guess I must be all right with it. Yeah. yeah. And it's really not... As bad as people think, right? In yeah. Los Angeles, when it rains, it pours and everything gets soaked. But here, when it rains, you don't even need an umbrella. Yeah. yeah. So up to Seattle, how'd you end up at Omni? Did you move to Seattle having had a job waiting for you or you moved to Seattle first? Or? No, we took a leap of faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we moved up here and my husband left his job in California and I was still working with iFixit, but it was remote work and that gets mm-hmm. kind of tricky tax-wise. Oh, um, right. So they were like, you know, we, we can't do this right now. And I was like, all right, I love you guys. I'm going to miss you, but let me look for that next best team. And I stumbled on the job posting for Omni and it just was a perfect fit. This was actually the first job I applied to up here. And I think the mm-hmm. only job I applied to, cause the process kind of moved along quickly enough that I just landed there. Craigslist ad. No, no. Okay. <laughs> Our, uh, I, I always ask that. And half the time it's true. Yeah. <laughs> I think my sister found one of her best jobs on a Craigslist ad. Yeah. 
Uh, no, Omni posts their job postings, I think, in some strategic places to get people to look at them. There's a community called Support Driven mm. that we've been to some of their conferences, and they just really care about support as a profession and what it can do for products and for customers. And they have a job board. And I was like, these people, they know what's up. I'm going to look on there, and those jobs are probably a step above the rest. And uh, I was right. So you've been here for a couple years? Yeah, it'll be a couple years this summer. So um, you mentioned going to graduate school. What did you do there? Yeah, I got my MFA in creative writing. I majored in... MFA, Master's of Fine Arts? Yes, Master of Fine Arts in creative writing. I mastered in sort of long-form fiction, so novels mostly. Mm-hmm. And it was an amazing experience. As a kid, had you wanted to be a writer? It was true of me, certainly. So. Yeah. yeah, ever since I was 13, I think it was that year that I read the His Dark Materials trilogy, and it's the Golden Compass the Golden trilogy. Golden Compass, I heard yeah. that. They made a movie and everything. Yeah, yeah. 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 There's a, actually a new uh, adaptation coming out, too, like a BBC adaptation. Oh, cool. Yeah, it, I'm really excited. And there's another book coming out in October with like this tie-in trilogy. It's mm-hmm. like my childhood is, has woken up again and, and just uh-huh. seized me. It's great. So I read those books when I was 13, and they just shaped everything about who I am. You know, Mm -hmm. they espouse humanism kind of and just like, how do we be good people, good stewards? Mm -hmm. And I realized that this is how you get to people. You write books that kind of reach into their soul and and teach people who they are on the inside. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to do that, and I've been writing ever since. That's great. The, The power of stories and books especially. I love books. Yeah. So my notes say uh, the Island of Misfit Toys. Yeah, my MFA program is unusual in that it accepts genre fiction. So we have professors who, you know, are crime writers or horror writers, and they don't um, turn up their nose at people who write genre fiction. So a lot of us in the program feel like we're kind of misfits because we wouldn't fit in at a traditional program uh, where they only so write that's literary rare for fiction. MFA Very rare, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it it's getting less rare, I think. Um, but it's still there's still some room for improvement there mm-hmm. at all the MFA programs. Um, but it was just a, a great program where I found my tribe. And so we call ourselves the Island of Misfit Toys. And uh, we call our residencies Nerd Camp. So everybody gets together for 10 days and, and just has this big party, basically, where you're nerding out about the things that we all care about, which is words and stories. So what other uh, authors do you really like? Philip Pullman, obviously. We've already okay. talked about him. His writing is so evocative and, and amazing. I love Jacqueline Carey. She's got a few series that just really kind of hit me in the feels. Uh, Harry Potter, of course. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Garth Nix, the Sabriel uh, trilogy, the Old Kingdom Chronicles, is just so good. N.K. Jemison, oh, my gosh. Her fantasy is, it just, it makes you cry. It makes you, like, angry. It just is so evocative and powerful. Mm. I'm really glad that she's out there writing what she is because fantasy needs more voices like her. Cool. Are, are these all young adult writers, largely? or No, actually. It's funny you ask that. N.K. Jemison, I think, writes mostly adult. Phil Pullman, I guess, would be considered YA. 
Uh, young lines adult. are so blurred now. They are. Well, they really so are. Because YA fiction is, is just so good. Yes. Yeah. yeah, the quality out there is astonishing. And I primarily write YA, but I'll read anything. But I just love the pacing of mm. YA and the stakes. The, the life or death, you know, these characters are usually teenagers and everything is life or death for them. And that sort of raw power of emotions really gets to me and resonates with me. Mm. As a teenager, as I recall, everything felt like life or death anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's cool. Um, are, are you publishing anything yet? Still working toward that or still working toward it? Yeah. yeah. My last novel manuscript that I finished was a post-apocalyptic, uh, which the market is not really into right now. So I kind of mm. shelved that and I'm working on an urban fantasy. And eventually when I have a manuscript, that's good enough, I'll seek a literary agent and try okay. the traditional publishing route. Successful writers often say that it takes some number of novels before they finally reach that point yeah you got to put in the work yeah it should be no mystery to uh listeners i've mentioned before that we do a pre-interview right so we talked a little bit earlier and i asked you kind of at the end if there was anything i should be asking you about that i hadn't and the answer actually was uh religion so i should probably have some kind of disclaimer up front that <laughs> obviously omni has no official religion we've had diversity of religious and non-religious i guess um viewpoints here in the company and we're not trying to push anything on anybody right but i want to talk to you about it because it really it's a big part of you and it fits in with with everything so you are a pagan okay particular specifically i'd say celtic wiccan okay tell me more about that yeah so Pagan's kind of the umbrella term. Um, there's a lot of different types of, of paganism and and maybe some things that I would consider paganism, the person who practices it wouldn't. And it's just very kind of amorphous. It's not an organized religion. That's kind of the point. So um, it's kind of what you want it to be individually. Mm-hmm. And for me, it is polytheism. So belief in many gods instead of one. And I you know, kind of work with and worship the Celtic pantheon of gods, which you don't hear much about. They're not Zeus and Hera and all of them. Are they similar to the Norse gods? Similar, yeah. Uh, Yeah, there's some overlap, uh, definitely. But I think the Celtic ones are less Mm. well-known. Like Caradwen is probably a name that most people have heard. And I think they're... No. No. <laughs> they're, I think they influenced a lot of fantasy that we're all familiar with. Like you see Lord of the Rings. There's a lot of Celtic god elements oh, in sure. there that right. I think influenced his writing uh, and, you know, his the way that he wrote Galadriel and just. The elves are clearly Celtic uh, demigods or something. Something anyway, like right? that. Yeah. <laughs> so what are some of the aspects uh, of this? It's. um. Well, again, with the disclaimer that it's different for every pagan out there, uh, I think it's about learning to be a good steward of the earth, you Mm -hmm. know, kind of being environmentally friendly and taking care of this planet that we are blessed to have and taking care of each other, Mm -hmm. you know, really trying not to, not to perpetuate harm in any form, just like be a good person, take care of the people and the planet that's around you. And uh, it's kind of the same as many other religions in that respect. Mm-hmm. So you pay attention to the phases of the moon, the cycle of the seasons, yeah, um, male and female duality, all yep. of this kind of 
kind of traditional stuff. Yeah, I don't dance naked in the woods. That's uh, a lot. Okay. What a lot of people think about pagans. <laughs> oh, do you go dance naked in the woods? I don't sure. do that. <laughs> right. Right. Is there like a, a church of some kind that you, that you attend, or how does that work? Yeah, it depends on the type of pagan that you are. Like, if you were a druid, you would probably worship with a grove. With mm. Wiccans, it's usually a coven. So it's mm. like a small group of people who get together to celebrate our holidays, uh, our holy days. We'll do like full moon rituals. I have a coven that's based out of Los Angeles. Uh, oddly enough, I found them after I had moved up here to Seattle. But we do mm. Skype sessions. So every dark moon, <laughs> we'll get on Skype and we'll all talk about something that's appropriate to the season. That's just a, a remarkable image, right? Because... Uh, Paganism is in many ways, it seems to me, you know, um, celebrating things that we've celebrated for thousands of years, right? Mm -hmm. Passage of the seasons or whatever. But but you're also on Skype. Yeah. yeah. Celebrating That's technology cool. too. Yeah. yeah. Right? Humans are part of the natural world and what we make is also, you know, like beavers make dams. We make Skype, I guess, right? Yeah. I mean, Neil Gaiman does it really well in American Gods. You know, the way that humanity has evolved and developed all these technologies created new gods in his mythos. Mm. So you have the new gods of like the techie gods. I forget which ones they are, but it really uh, kind of perpetuates this idea that what you believe in has power. Interesting. I haven't read that. I read um, Good Omens, I think. Oh, that oh, one's that good. good yeah. yeah. Were you raised in this tradition or is it something you came to later? No, not raised in it. I found, so back when there were Borders books, right? Remember mm -hmm. the Borders stores? Yeah. I loved them. And I would go every Friday night with my best friend. We'd go to Jamba Juice and then to Borders, and we would just browse the books for hours. Oh, yeah. And I found this book called Where to Park Your Broomstick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And it was an introduction for teens to Wicca as a religion. And it just had the the right way of approaching the subject that this is about being a religion. It's not about some frou-frou magic witchcraft stuff. Like this right. is a belief system and the sort of way that it approached the topic respectfully really resonated with me. And so I started kind of dabbling in it and then just kind of went full tilt and told mm. my parents, it took me like a month to tell my parents and they were like, Oh, it's cool. It's just a phase. Yeah, right. Here I am. But it's kind of like coming there. out of the closet, right? Out of the broom closet, yes. Broom closet, yes. <laughs> Honestly, I heard that earlier in the pre-interview. I was just hoping to get you to say that again. <laughs> but the, the fundamental values here are still about uh, humanism and stewardship of the earth, which is mm -hmm. absolutely critical, especially in the 21st century, when the bigger we get, the more of an obligation we have, I think, to take care of things, because we can just wreck stuff carelessly. Yeah, humans have a lot of power, and how we leverage that power is going to determine our future, for sure. Is storytelling a big part of this tradition? Mm, I think it can be. Certainly my way that I practice, because mm -hmm. I have a Scots-Irish heritage, so I've always really felt drawn to that. And the Celts were all about an oral tradition, so they would pass on their history and their knowledge through stories. Mm. And I think that's just in my blood. Yeah, so like. stories are the way that we connect to each other and mm. the way that we feel things and how we interact with the world and understand our place in it. You know, it, it occurs to me that um, the Marvel Universe might be a kind of a modern god. Yeah, how thing, did you right? know? <laughs> <laughs> Magic of the pre-interview. 
So you're a fan of Marvel. Oh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is just one of my favorite fandoms. It's mm. amazing. And I'm probably going to annoy a lot of comics fans and say I haven't read them. Okay. <laughs> I'm just into the movies and they are fantastic. I rewatch all of them leading up to the next movie that comes out. And Scarlet Witch is my favorite. That's actually part of my, my email at Omni. Ah, uh, Scarlet Witch. Yeah. Who debuted in Age of Ultron. Correct. Yes, which you only know because of the pre-interview. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's great. I think she just had such a traumatic past and was able to overcome it and like rise to the occasion and decide to do the right thing for humanity. And I have a lot of respect for characters who can do that. I think my favorite is Thor, just because he's aware of himself, right? And he's mm-hmm. very, very funny. Oh, yeah. So campy. I love all mm-hmm. the Thor movies. Marvel, do you, do you pay much attention to the DC stuff? No, not yeah. a whole lot. Yeah, Wonder Woman was great. I, I We definitely need more female superhero movies. Mm. I mean, Captain Marvel was fantastic. If you haven't seen it yet, you totally should. But I just kind of, I guess I'm like a one-trick pony. Like I find the one thing I like and I mm. stick with it. And Marvel just got me right from the beginning, that first Iron Man movie. Oh, yeah. Iron Man 2 is the first movie I ever saw with my husband in theaters. Oh, cool. And we started dating, so it has a special place in my heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember for years just being so worried about uh, uh, Robert Downey because he's about my age. And so, you know, the first time I saw him, I would have been pretty young and um, thought he was amazing. And he and a few other people are like the actors of my generation, right? Johnny mm-hmm. Depp and couple others but man Downey went through a really really rough period of time yeah and appears to have bounced back <laughs> he's yeah. amazing he really is yeah. and such a fabulous actor mm-hmm. just everybody who works on that franchise they pick amazing people yeah yeah and amazing um writers like Joss Whedon for instance yeah 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 I love Cabin in the Woods I mean everybody loves Buffy right yeah but sure. Cabin in the Woods was really smart. It was like the Thor movies, very self-aware mm. and uh, got kind of meta, but just that kind of storytelling of like, going to tell you this intelligent story, but it's still going to appeal to you on like a comedic level and an emotional level. Mm-hmm. So cats and dogs, what do you, what do you have? Yeah, I have a cat and a dog. Wow. So Gabriel is our cat. He was a dumpster cat. He's nine years old, but when we got him, I was in college, and one of my college roommates came home. She's like, I have a box of kittens. They were in the dumpster. (laughs) Jeez. Wow. So we all adopted them. Uh I got Gabriel, and he's just a sweetheart. He loves to cuddle. Mm. He didn't have the proper cat training because they were taken from their mom so young. Oh, sure. So he cuddles a lot, and Mm. he'll let you pet his belly, and he doesn't swipe at you. Yeah. He's really the ideal cat. I don't know how I could top it. My my cat would let us pet his belly half the time. We just didn't know on any given time which way it was going to go. Yeah. <laughs> the roll of the dice. It's a trap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gabriel is not super happy now that we have a puppy in our lives. Mm. Conan is not even a year old and he's already over 90 pounds. Jeez. Yeah. He's a Bernese mountain dog. Mm. 
and he just has so much energy right now. He'll chill out. And the heft and the muscles to go along with it, too. Yeah. 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 We're waiting for him to grow up uh-huh. because they're really lazy dogs. You know, they might not even need a walk a day when they're adults. But right oh. now, if I don't take him on at least two walks a day, he gets really kind of agitated and, like, wants to play. And I've got a toddler in the house, so that can get a little... Uh, like a, a juggling match to be right. like, no, honey, don't walk on the floor right now. Conan's going to run into you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Conan outweighs your toddler, surely. By, oh, definitely. By a bit. Yeah. 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 I can't pick him up anymore and I can definitely still pick my daughter up. <laughs> How big is uh, a Bernese mountain dog going to get? Uh, probably 120, 130 pounds. Wow. Jeez. Yeah. That's a whole lot of dog. It is. Um, yeah. Oh, but he's such a goof. He's like a love. He just wants to cuddle with everybody. Mm. He's a lap dog, which can be a problem <laughs> with that much weight. Mm. But if he sees a new person or a new kid or a new dog, he just is like frantic to get to them to say hi and receive pets. I fan him. He's he's extremely friendly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that's cool. So is that kind of dog um like a kind of a shepherd or um Sort of. I think that they were bred for probably for farms Mm -hmm. uh, in like the mountains. So I think his primary drive is to like check on things like, oh, those animals are in their pen. These kids are playing over here. Everything's Mm -hmm. fine, running smoothly. And then they're also used as drafting dogs. So they'll pull little carts with loads in them. Oh, okay. Bernie's, is that an alpine thing? I think so because they're sort of sister breed are the um, Swiss mountain dogs, okay, which is the type of dog that Molly has. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the Swissies have short hair and the Bernese have the really long coats. Mm-hmm. So, and his hair will just float in the breeze, little like tumbleweeds of Conan hair and land in my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what's your daughter's name? Senga. Senga. Mm-hmm. That's not a name I've heard before. Yeah, it's a Scottish name, and it's actually Agnes spelled backwards. Oh, sure. Why not? Yeah. Agnes doesn't come up too often as a name either. No, it's not super popular right now. Yeah. Well, thank you, Annette. How can people find you on the web? I am on Twitter. Mm-hmm. My handle is at rainy day underscore writer. Okay, because you're a writer and you like the rain. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. And eventually I am going to have an author website as well. Um, but it's not up yet because, okay. you know, a kid and a dog. <laughs> and a cat. And a cat. Don't forget Gabriel. And a husband. And a husband. Yeah. Phew. Yeah. You're busy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'd also like to thank our intrepid producer, Mark Bosco. Say hello, Mark. Hello, Mark. And especially, I want to thank you for listening. Thank you. Music. Music.